Okay, everybody got their stuff ready? I just got mine ready. Okay, cool. We will get started in three, two. Welcome back to Recap, a podcast where we talk about the latest news featured on our social media pages. We try to find the news that matters most to both us and our voters, and we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. I'm your host, Joshua Hyde, and with me today are our analyst and sometimes host of Recap, Professor X, or Alex Crohannon. We also have Anthony Arnold, the host of Smart Politics and one of our writers. How you guys doing today? Excellent. Just, uh, you know, li- living after the end of the world. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. We, we are still living through a major extinction event. I feel like that doesn't get brought up enough. Nope. No, it does not. <laughs> Just in the background. Yeah. It's not like, you know, thousands of millions of people are still dead. Anyway, that's a downer. We're not talking about, well, it depends. We we have some interesting things to talk about today <laughs> before we get started. I, I have a quick question. So, like, you yeah, guys buddy. have been here basically since the beginning of Recap. Should I keep introducing you two? Yes. Why not? I don't, I don't get introduced very often. Okay, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> that's fair. Alex yeah, needs a little say, ego boost. <laughs> you, you know, you know, King, say King of say King Jaharis, uh, the you know the third of his name, uh, the the, uh, the father say the father of storms, the you know the the king like, the king of the Andals and the first man. Like like I I need these honorifics in my okay. life. All right, <laughs> I got you. I got you, fam. Okay. If you ask us to come up with an honorific for you, Alex, you will not like the resulting honorific. <laughs> I, I, I think you will. I, I think we can. I think we can become something that both speaks to the heart and is accurate. All righty. And on that, I note, think so. To, yes, you should continue introducing us. All right. So, uh, with that out of the way, Anthony. Or sorry, How sorry, sorry. Out of order, Alex. Let's talk about some trends. All right. Well, we're going to talk about a bit of a localized trend temporally because it's that time of year again, guys. It's Black History Month. That's right. We're going to talk about Black History Month, you know, because all of Black history can can only occupy one One twelfth. Of, of the year. The shortest month. <laughs> yep. The longest history in human history. Yay! <laughs> 28 days. <laughs> Best I can give you. All right. Um, and so specifically, uh, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about, when we talk about Black History Month, um, uh, everyone, let's say, uh, there are a couple of people come to mind. So we talk about Frederick Douglass. Um, we talk about Harriet Tubman. Um, and we talk about uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Well, that's that's pretty much the list. Is sometimes, there anyone else I, am I missing? Sometimes we throw in Malcolm X as like, a, as like a, hey, this is what we didn't like, but he still did some stuff. Dash or Rosa Parks. Yeah. Oh, Rosa Parks. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I was like Maya Angelou. 
there's some art there's some every now and then but yeah there's some artists you know who get you know say but yeah yeah um and uh and i think the biggest the biggest you know uh in in late january we also have dr martin luther king jr day um but uh the weird thing about whenever anyone talks about dr martin luther king jr anyone in like the political sphere they they mention like one thing and they mention like one line and like conservatives in particular mention one line of one thing uh and i'm of course talking about the i have a dream speech uh which um uh, was um, given in August 28th, 1963 on the March on Washington. Um, and the line that everybody likes bringing up, uh, that, that conservatives like bringing up, right, is the, uh, I have a dream that one day people will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And it's, and, uh, if we look at it from a historical context, you know, clearly what we're talking, we're like, we're talking about civil rights and what we're clearly talking about is, well, black people maybe don't just get reduced to the, the color of their skin and that instead they get treated with the same respect and dignity as everybody else. And we treat everyone like, and we treat them more, more equally. That's clearly what we're talking about. And we have a bunch of bad faith actors in the modern day who just want to talk about, well, 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 hold on, hold on. This, this, this Black Lives Matter thing, Dr. King wouldn't stand for that. He would say that all lives matter. Ignoring, I mean, I say intentionally whitewashing this idea of, well, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. might just like have a big cry because it's been uh, 70 years and nothing has changed. We're still, they say cops still just, you know, just say disproportionately kill black people, disproportionately imprison black people. Um, black people still don't have the same, say, uh, don't have the same, uh, like nothing has been done to address like the, the wealth gains like across racial lines, like we're, we're just, we're, but we're ignoring all of that. We're going to talk about just like this one line. Uh, and, uh, you know, and not just that, but we're going to only talk about this one, this one line from this one speech. We're going to ignore the the parts where he talks about like, um, I don't know the, he, he talked a lot about, um, Redistribution of wealth and the problem of of, of wealth, like uh, of wealth as a let's say uh, as a um, like something like divide, that divides people. It keeps us divided. It keeps us poor, and that uh, it is the cause of a lot of the systemic injustice that is facing the black, like the black, um, the black population. And uh, let me see. That's. That's really what I say. Just what I want to talk about. Um, let me see if you guys want to weigh in on your, your like your own thoughts here. Yeah, I, I, well, it just it I'll, feels weird being the the white person. Yeah, proselytizing well, to you. One of the one of the more remarkable things. I mean, you mentioned Dr. King, right? And one of the remarkable things about him is that because he was both a civil rights leader, but also he was a preacher. 
So there's actually just this really extensive like body of work. I mean, there are probably few, there are probably honestly probably very few modern leaders who actually have spoken and, and written uh, in the volume that he actually did because he continued to preach basically the whole time. And so uh, there are so many documents and speeches and, and, and so much writing that would give you an insight into his, his broader thoughts about uh, anything that is, it's really makes it even more remarkable and, and even more, I don't want to say it's depressing, but it's, it's sad. I mean, it is sort of sad that we've reduced them largely down to a handful of snippets when, um, you know, I mean, it's like everything else we sort of do, right? Like the Bible has been reduced down to a few like quotable sections. <laughs> There's a lot in the Bible. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff like that. Yep. You know, like, there's a lot about a lot, and some of it is troubling, and much of it, but much of it can, could be insightful if you were only to take the time to sort of go beyond, you know, love thy neighbor, and like stop at just love thy neighbor. <laughs> we got the Ten Commandments. What else do we need? I don't know. Thousands of pages of stuff in there. So it sort of is how how we do with everything else. I think Alex, something you and I mentioned before is we smash down history into these like bite size. You know, as we move further and further away from the past, we smash the past down into smaller and smaller uh, consumable bites. So Dr. King becomes a couple quotes. The Bible becomes like a handful of verses. Um, and that's always pretty sad. I have a very cynical view of Black History Month in general, because I have always been like the person at every school that I've ever been at. That's like, why is Black History Month a month? Like, is there a reason why, like all of these things that happened during all these events that we're not talking about? Like, is there a reason why we're only talking about it during February? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at one point in time, uh, I, I did a, um, I did a presentation during Black History Month on the history of Black History Month because I thought it was weird. And one of the things that surprised a lot of people was to learn that it also happened to be a week, uh, a Black History Week uh, during this time frame. Um, so we we stretched it out to a month eventually. I don't know. I don't remember if that was like legislation or not because it's been a very long time and I've slept a lot since that presentation, but the, the, the general idea is that they didn't want it to happen. People did not want black history month to happen. They eventually gave them a week and then we eventually took a month. And as previously mentioned, we've kind of just created, I don't necessarily want to say a lot of it has been whitewashed because I think that term means something a bit different now than I'm tempting to use it for. But I, yes, the, the, a lot of the moments that are referenced in Black History Month tend to have a lot more weight and grant or meaning behind them than just the small little bits that get brought up because no one really wants to acknowledge all of the other things that are relevant in there, including the the parts that people don't don't always want to talk about, even in just the "I Have a Dream" speech. So, yeah, I'm I'm a bit concerned that a lot of the other like political actors, even at the time frame, have given have been given no lip justice and several other things 
regarding Black History Month just kind of generally irked me. So I, I choose usually to stay out of the conversation because I try not to ruffle feathers if I can help it. But yeah, well, I think. I mean, I have. A, I mean, I'm going to spare my entire rant. Alex has heard it. Francine's heard it. I'll, there will be a piece that I'll be posting to. Uh, I'll be posting a piece about it. Uh, let's just say that. But I will say this is not to sound too much like like Alex here, but. Um, capitalism can only process things for profit and politics can only process things for power. So history becomes a means for capitalism to make money and history becomes a means for politics and politicians to gain power. Neither one of those have anything to do with understanding. Neither one of those have anything to do with a deeper appreciation for the nuances and complexities of history or of black history or of any history. Um, and that's just so when we leave it to the the politicians and when we leave it to the profit mongers, they're gonna do what they do, which is process black history for money and process it for political gain. That's it. That's not a criticism of politicians or even a criticism, a broad criticism of capitalism, but that is their function. Um is to process things for profit and process things for political gain. So you know that's how they've and and because we only really process things now more than ever we only really have two means of processing anything we either run it through capitalism or we run it through our politics now everything gets processed in those same two ways i mean everything is politics now um even if it shouldn't even if it should exist in some realm outside of that so you know this is what you end up with (laughs) uh as a uh, death of expertise yeah. Yeah. Very true. Yep. All right. Um, I mean, there we could spend the whole show on this, and I recognize that. So we'll just, you know, just call it here. Just do yourself a favor, <laughs> and uh, you know, re- re- say read some some more ML. Like, if you're going to talk about MLK, you know, you really want to do some Black History Month. Read some, Mar- you know, some other Martin Luther King outside of uh, I Have a Dream. So, you know, fun fact. Eight days before, uh, say, I guess, so two months before, two months, four months before the I Have a Dream speech uh, is when he wrote the letter from Birmingham jail. So you should just, it's only four months. Uh, how much can change in four months? Maybe, maybe it'll help illuminate a little, like a little bit more about the man and, you know, read some Malcolm X, read some other, read about the, read the true story of the Black Panthers. Just yeah. I, I would honestly say, like, I if if you want, like, homework from me in terms of Black history, like, if anybody listening doesn't know a lot about Black history and wants somewhere to start, I would say the two things that in my mind are the most important are uh, reading probably the letter from Birmingham Jail, in my, in my personal opinion, uh, reading the whole of the I Have a Dream speech because I, I hate the fact that that's only been reduced to like, you know, 15 seconds. Yeah. Um, and also I would say, as, as is previously mentioned, look into the actual history and politics of the Black Panthers. Um, there is a lot there that has been, let's just say whitewashed. And I think that there's, there's several things regarding that that would probably be helpful today if we choose to let that happen. So 
With that being said, thank you for that, Alex. Let's go ahead and move on to Anthony. Yeah. Let's, poll question time. Let's talk about the poll. All right. As always, our polls appear on social media every Friday. So we'd like to see you guys responding, sharing, commenting, letting us know what you think. This poll is from late January. So it is about Biden's recent Supreme Court announcement uh, that, you know, he is he's going to be nominating someone with the retirement of Stephen Breyer. So we... We kind of, our poll question says, uh, two years ago, in the midst of the Democratic primary, then-candidate Biden made a promise to nominate a black woman if he was given a chance to do so. And now that he has that chance, he seems poised to follow through, having recently announced his intention to keep his promise. What we want to know is the following. Do you think it was a good idea for him to announce his intentions when he did in an effort to correct historical wrongs? And do you think he should keep his promise? I'm going to start off with Alex. You're on the hot seat first, and then Josh. Actually, can I can I go first? Oh, Josh jumping right. in. Go, yeah. go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I am probably the person in this group who, like, I follow politics, obviously. We all do. That's why we run the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I follow it less than you two. And so I feel like I am the most how do I want to say this? I am the most, I am the person who reacts probably more on like feeling and like general ideas rather than facts when it comes to like what politicians do and what they want and stuff like that. So I, I I wanted to start with this because I knew that if we if we started with Alex, it's gonna get real technical. So I just wanna <laughs> I just wanna go ahead and start off by saying I think personally, and this is where the, the broader discussion I plan goes into, I think that it's actually uh, a very good thing that Biden chose to make that announcement and that he both remembered that he did and is choosing to continue with that. Most of what, in my mind, a politician does is, well, should do, (laughs) is uh, make promises to people and then keep them. And we've seen in several different scenarios where several things were promised and not very many things come to fruition. I know obviously that's not always their fault. There are are always underlying circumstances behind that, but I think it's very, very good both for optics and otherwise, when someone who is elected in a position of power makes a statement that is usually designed to garner more of that power while they're trying to get there, uh, and then actually does the thing that was promised at that point in time. I think that that's a great thing. I really hope that he actually does it. I don't know if the information on that has come through just yet, but um, yeah, I think it's great. All right. Alex, Professor uh, X, thoughts? I, I think Josh is wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I figured. Um, he, by, I say by making the promise, like you could have not made the promise publicly and just done the thing and no one, and like spared everyone that say, spared everyone the backlash and spared everyone the, uh, the pearl clutching and spared everyone the 
the, the political theater. You didn't, you didn't have to, you didn't have to promise this. You could have just, uh, just said, uh, I mean, look, so this is like, this is like, this is the issue of like scale. So like the country is just big. We have three, you know, we have, uh, you know, 300 million plus people in it. And, you know, there are going to be a lot in, a, in 300 million people. There are going to be a, a lot of high caliber, like high quality people. And there's only one Supreme court justice. So it's a given 100, you know, all things considered equal candidates. How do you decide who, like, who gets it? You can just use whatever arbitrary metric you want. Doesn't like, it's like, uh, if you have one, I say, um, you have, there are 100 equally, you say equally good burger places. How do you determine which burger place to go to? Well, uh, this one's closer deal. All right. it's like, that's just as arbitrary as anything else. Um, so I, I have 100 good candidates. Um, we're just going to filter them down to how many of them are black women. Okay. Well, now there are like four and, uh, I'm going to just, uh, pick one of those four and it doesn't matter that like this process isn't reviewed. There's no one to say, Raba, Raba, Raba at you. Just, just, okay. Uh, I, I had a bunch of candidates and, um, as like this person, this person met my criteria done. It's the NSA and it still does all of like all the things that you like it say it like it does go about like putting, you know, it's like putting another di- like a, a diverse voice on the, on the, like on the Supreme court. It does do things about elevating say, uh, people of color. Um, it does all of the things like for your party that you want to do. It does all of like the justice things that you care about. And it just, it doesn't fall into all of this, uh, like this pearl clutching maneuver from the, like from the right, or if it like, or if it does, it at least it shortens it instead of like it's only the approval process as opposed to the six months leading up to it and the approval process and everything afterwards. Uh, <clears throat> all right, thank you both. My thoughts are. Uh, I don't love him now seeing the attention ahead of time. Uh, largely because I don't think it had, I actually, the reason he did it was for purely political reasons. It was because of the, the timing of it is like his, his candidacy in the primary was on life support. And the reporting that has come out is that this was more of a maneuver to keep uh, Jim Clyburn, very powerful member of the Democrat uh, leadership, Congressional Black Caucus, it was to largely make him happy because he really wanted Clyburn's uh, support there in South Carolina, which is where Biden, as we covered at the time, he was making his stand on Super Tuesday with all the black states. And that was where he had circled, you know, if I have a chance to get back in this race, this is it. So he wanted Clyburn's support. The day after he made this announcement on the debate, he, Clyburn came out and uh, backed Biden. So there was a bit of, you know, some some old fashioned trading in politics, which is fine. Like, I don't super care about politicians trading, actually. Um, but I don't like it being framed as a it, it wasn't like a thing for black people. It was more of a just this is politics doing politics. So I don't love him announcing it ahead of time. I think it does a bit of a disservice to the to the person he'll eventually pick because it's sort of 
it sort of bakes in right from the beginning that um, I eliminated every other candidate except for you handful of black women for reasons that have nothing to do with your qualifications for the job and have everything to do with the fact that you are a black woman. And I just eliminated everybody else. So I think it does them a bit of a disservice because it kind of builds that in from the beginning. Now, that being said, um, I think he should keep his promise for the basic fact that um, this is a promise the president can keep and this is a promise he made. And so therefore he should follow through um, because it is within his power to keep this promise and he should keep it. Francine just asked an interesting question in the chat. Can this be seen as racist? I don't know if you want to follow up with that. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are off the top of your head on that one. Um, my thoughts, I'll, t- I'll just go first while you guys sort of try to give, give you guys a couple minutes this time around. I'll put myself in the hot seat. Um, yes. I would say yes. The, <laughs> so the reason is there has also never been so there's also never been like an Asian judge on the Supreme Court. We've, we, we've had black Supreme Court judges. We've never had one. Like, but there are ones who are qualified. Like they're like one of the other top candidates, for instance, that people had talked about was I believe he is an uh, I believe he's he's an Indian, um, not American Indian, but uh, an Indian. Like we get it. I yeah. I, I, I like not a Native American, but an Indian. Yeah, Asian Indian is racing. So he was one of the other top candidates. And I think it is weird. Like, I think it's legitimately weird to have this top Asian Indian candidate who has sort of been disqualified from the running, like, right off the jump. I mean, he was disqualified two years ago. <laughs> and I think, that's, I think that's a weird thing to do. And I think, yeah, it's kind of racist to, like, disqualify a different person of color two years ago (laughs) because he's not the right person of color or the right gender like i think that's a weird thing to do for the president (laughs) i get you um i i see it as racially motivated not racist in general um because i'm going by the the very like dictionary definition of the word racist in this context. Um, but yes, it knowing what you have just told me, uh, that makes me feel a little differently about the promise in general. Uh, did not know that beforehand. However, um, yeah, like the we in America have a very common problem of something being brought to our attention and going the exact opposite instead of eventually bringing things back to like a neutral standpoint, because in most cases, that's really what anyone who's pushing for social justice wants is just equality or at least equity. Um, And I guess in this situation, we didn't need someone on the Supreme court who is a black woman just for the sake of having a black woman on the Supreme court. Uh, We needed to not have them overlooked Uh, and seeking them out specifically to put them there is just as damaging as overlooking them. Um, But I wouldn't necessarily call it racist, but again, it is very racially motivated. Yeah. And just for for Alex, let me jump in. His name is uh, Siri. I'm going to mess up his last name. I know. Apologies. Uh, Siri, I'm going to get Cerny Vossen. 
He is um, chief judge on the D.C. appeals court, which is typically the stepping stone to the Supreme Court. That's the one where a lot of them come from. So he's been nominated. uh, He's been considered twice for the Supreme Court. Um, So, yeah. So, Alex, I just wanted to clarify who exactly we're talking about. If people were curious, um, that's who we're talking about. First ever Indian... uh, uh, Asian Indian to hold that position as chief judge of that particular court. So, bit of a trailblazer himself. Nice. Yeah. So, Alex. To uh, so I, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna get granular here. Um, so, <laughs> so, 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 racist um, is a is a is a weird word, um, and that we use it for uh, for a bunch of like diff, like we use it. Is in a bunch of different contexts to mean like different things. So this person, and I say this person is racist. They don't like other people uh, like uh, like of a like of of a different race. Um, uh, and and like, but that doesn't. It doesn't matter if a you know say if um someone is say if that like if that's true. Uh, like if a single, like if an individual, like an individual, just like look, I just don't like black people for like for whatever reason. That's not actually an issue unless that person also has power. Um, it's, it's like it's it's like it becomes a problem when well, I don't like black people, so I don't let black people into my store. I don't like black people, so I don't um, give um, marriage certificates to black people. I don't like black people, so I don't allow. I say whenever a uh, like whenever a black um, a, you know a case comes across a black defendant comes across, I just I make sure that it's guilty. Like that's like that that's that's when it becomes like a, a problem, and so this leads to like the issue like um, a description typically used on the left, which is that like. A like a, a, a say like an institute say something is racist when it exercises power you know uh, you know um, in a discriminate in a dis- racially uh, discriminate dis- racially discriminate way. Um, so is this uh, like is this racist? Well, yes. Um, you are you are determining uh, you, you are determining something ba- like you know based upon. Uh, like based say based upon race, um, like it is a position of power that you are giving that you are delegating based upon race. Yeah, like yeah. I said, I mean, I think this is a, I mean, this is a weird this. This has been an interesting. This has been a very fruitful discussion, and I think I hope the audience can gather that like this is a very interesting situation, and that when you really sort of think about it, it illustrates how how what he did is is complex, but also how we receive these things how we process these things is complex. I mean, sort of the thing we're mentioning here is like, because we process racism, typically black, white in this country, we don't like, I think when Francine asked the question, I think a lot of people go, well, is it racist against white people? But that ignores that there's like a whole different set of minority groups who were also completely eliminated from consideration for the job. And like, if someone did that to black people, they they would definitely like. Had he done this to black people, they definitely would have said it was racist. I mean, if Biden had said, "I'm going to nominate a white woman," people would have been like, "That's racist." <laughs> but so it just shows this is a complex discussion. Um, so, like I said, 
I'll wrap up. Polls drop every Friday. As you know, you guys can tell, sometimes, you know, typically, these polls are very complex. They, they really open themselves up to a lot of interpretation um, and a lot of sort of critical thinking. Um, so I'm happy we sort of went there. And thank you, Francine, for putting that question in the chat. I think that, that got some interesting answers out of all of us. So with that, I'm kicking it back to you. President Hyde, on the move. So um, what I wanted to talk about with, with the time that we've got left here is um, the nature of political follow-through. Because every politician that has ever vied for a position of power makes promises. That's like just the, the, a way that they generally operate. That's one of the ways in which they garner support, all that other good stuff. However, we've seen both within my lifetime and several presidents before mine, um, situations where a president will have made several declarations about what they plan to do when they're in power, and that has not come to fruition for whatever the reason may have ended up being. And so uh, I wanted to talk about the importance of political follow-through for uh, any reason. I was going to focus specifically on like how that looks in terms of the people that have put them there and the support that they gathered to do that, but uh, that can kind of go in any real direction. It's not really um, for that specific purpose, but in general, the importance of political follow-through um, is my kind of first topic that I wanted to cover. And so I wanted to start it with this question, kind of pull or kind of pulling some information from the Biden poll. I know that we we kind of talked about this a little bit, so I, I don't expect, you know, full on answers here. Uh, but this is a bit of a different line than we had originally discussed. So um, that we we know, yes, he made his promise to uh, elect a black woman uh, in an attempt to garner support. I know that now I was under the impression that it was for the same social justice reasons that everything else tends to be painted under. Good to know that there was more behind that. Gives me some things to think about myself and for anyone else who may have been thinking about it the same way. Um, my question is, would how would this have been different? How would the announcement have been different uh, if he had picked someone of a different race? So in this situation, um, if he had picked someone who was, as we discussed, Asian Indian, or if he had picked someone who was, you know, stereotypically Asian or other things along those lines, how would this have been perceived and would it have been any different is my first question. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, in particular, you mentioned Asian Indians and more stereotypical Asian. They that that is a category that does not sit it does not slot in obviously in sort of the racial politics that we have in the US and that is because their their achievement levels are are higher than sort of the average and so they've been to some people they sit almost as like white adjacent because of achievement levels but but they're not there's pretty clearly like people of color, but so it would have been, I, I just don't think it would have played the same because it would have been seen as like, you're elevating this group that does not need the elevation. Despite the fact that again, there has never been an Asian, an Asian Indian or an Asian um, Supreme court justice at all. But I don't think it would have played the same way. And also because they're just not, I mean, if we're 
pure politics, they're not a prized voting block. That's, I mean, that's just the blunt, ugly politics of it. So I don't think it would have it would have played the same. And I and I do think there would have been a whew, whew, the, the the backlash from like uh, the black activist community would have been mind. I mean, it would have just absolutely been breathtaking blowback. <laughs> say, uh, say, it would have been the classic pincer maneuver. Um, the right uh, say yeah. talks about how you are uh, being co-opted by China. Yeah. Um, uh, and the essay and the the le- essay and the left would uh, I like let's say what, what Anthony said would would just like would would be, would be attacking you for uh, like for abandoning your base. Yep. And, you know, like, you know, not holding true to, like, social, you know, social values of, like, what Anthony was saying, like, elevating, say, of elevating people from, um, from places that, like, they don't normally get elevated to. Hmm. Okay. Um, so that was, that was kind of the first question. This, the second thing I wanted to discuss um, was effectively... Biden is already president. Um, him not keeping this original promise would not remove him from his presidency. However, um, what do we think could have changed during his presidency if he either didn't remember that he made this promise or if he did remember he chose to do something else? Like if, as an example, in this hypothetical America that we're, that we're, I'm trying to paint for you guys, what happens if, you know, whenever this decision gets made, he chooses to go with another white man? Like what, what then happens to Biden's optics in regards to the Supreme Court or otherwise? Oh, we, I, we, I would, mean. we would continue to see the degradation of the authority of the like of the power and authority of the president of the United States. Uh, yeah. And just like, and thus, like our government system, like as a, as a whole, um, yeah. like you know, uh, institutional trust in you know, say, I mean, Congress has been slumping for fifty years. Um, uh, um, to say, institu- you know, institutional faith in the Supreme Court is cratering. Um, the you know. In, uh, institutional like you know uh, trust in the president is also at an all-time low like it would just it would just continue and like it would just kind of it would tell everyone that yeah you were right it doesn't matter uh yeah yeah i mean that's francine makes a point in the chat that i was gonna also make which is like it would have like the midterms would have been even more of a bloodshed than they're already shaping up to be it would have just been a bloodbath of unbelievable just mind-boggling proportions had he broken his promise and i look i gave this my answer to the poll this is a promise the president can keep and that is therefore it is therefore a promise the president should keep now i don't know if you're going to get to this there's a whole second category of promises the president can't ever keep yet continues to make <laughs> which is why trust is cratering as alex mentioned because they are making promises that they cannot ever under any circumstances actually follow through on uh, and they're doing it for pure political reasons. They're just really cynical politics in some of the promises. Much, most of the promises Joe Biden made, he can't possibly keep. Yeah, 
Yep. And and this, say, and like and that's this is what led this is what is what begins to lead to like yeah. that uh that institutional to like uh you know decline in trust is yep. uh well everyone everyone just everyone comes up there and just makes promises and then no one can deliver them and like I I fulfilled my end of the bargain. I voted for you, yeah. I supported you, I gave you money, I gave you my time, and you gave me nothing. Yeah. And we see this play out. Uh, you guys have probably seen these, you know, after a year in office, you know, the Washington Post or the New York Times will do like the, the president report card where they go through the list of campaign promises or things that they have said. And they go, did he fulfill this? But most of those are things the president can't fulfill. Same like, time. and they, the New York Times knows this. And I'm not even criticized. The Times knows this. And the, the president knows this. And they know this as candidates. And when they're covering them as candidates, they know the president can't actually do this. So everyone, we've ended up in this weird, bizarro world where we ask presidents to make promises they can't possibly keep in order to garner our votes. And then we get mad when they don't keep them. Uh, you know, so, you know, perfect example right now with Biden, right? So he ran on, I say he ran on, actually, let's go to the, we'll do the first thing. He <laughs> ran on $2,000. Yeah, I will put two thousand dollars in your pocket, and like you know, to help, to help just cover for the past year of uh, nonsense. And uh, we, we like two thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, two thousand dollars. Like the the two the two Senate races in Georgia, two thousand dollars, and then they won both. And it was like, oh, we can actually deliver people two thousand dollars instead of just telling our our yelling at our at the, the republicans but like, give them money and it's like oh right. well we actually have to do this well well fourteen hundred dollars plus the previous six hundred dollars is two thousand ha ha right i get that's our two thousand dollars but no you promised us two thousand dollars but but I can't, I can't do that. Like they have to know no, you promised. If yeah. you can't deliver, don't promise. Yeah. That's sort of that. So I don't want to step on any more of the, the, take up any more of the time. I don't know what else you have. I don't know what the next questions are, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, to be honest, um, the, the last one was, I love the way that you guys think because when you when I make these questions, you guys tend to lead into the next ones and your answers anyway. Um, and so my next question was, aside from this promise with the uh, Supreme Court, had there been any other promises so far uh, in Biden's campaign that he has failed to keep and which ones were they? We just yeah. covered one, obviously. Yeah, there was also like uh, there's been stuff about immigration. Abortion rights is actually like we're going to protect abortion rights. How? You know, like when, Bi when Biden promised to protect abortion rights, by what mechanism does he plan to do that? Well, we're going to pass. He cannot control the Supreme Court. We're going to pass a law, Anthony. We're right. going to pass a law. Right. A thing the president cannot do. And this is always what frustrates me. And I think Alex as well. You know, we all, I, I laughed about this with Alex. We all saw like the I'm just a bill. On Capitol Hill. Like, we saw that as kids, like, how School bills House are passed. Rock. Schoolhouse Rock. We saw, like, how bills are passed. We know that Congress passes bills. The president cannot pass a bill. He cannot draft a bill. He cannot 
pass a bill. He can only sign something sent to him. So Joe Biden can't do anything. He can pass some executive orders, but he himself can't do anything to protect abortion, not on his own. He also doesn't control the Supreme Court, which is the body that's going to strike the whole thing down anyway. And there's quite literally nothing any congressional Democrat can do about the Supreme Court. It's just there's nothing you can do. So those are two more examples of like things that were promised that actually can't ever possibly be followed up on, no matter how badly he may want to. Increase and I minimum, do believe he does want to say increase the minimum wage. Um, say say infrastructure spending. Uh, the end of uh, the ending of, uh, of private prisons. Just right. to uh, the great say something. Some let's uh, say some green new deal. But these were all things that were that were promised. And um, to be fair, Biden has done what he can or some of what he can to like to do those things so uh the federal contract say federal contractors um and and federal employees minimum wage went up to 15 dollars an hour he just signed you know executive order uh, that that's that's the new standard um and he also has uh executive order the federal government will no longer use um pri- uh, private prisons um there's some other caveats attached to that that we could spend more time on, but that's uh, that's another that's another issue. But like my point being, he is he's doing he tried he did what he could to do those things, but ultimately, you know, like Anthony was saying, unless Congress also signs up for that, it's not, it's not gonna happen. Can't happen. That's not how the system works. I had one more question, but I think we might save it for later. But. I I will pose the question to everyone else and we will see if you guys have any thoughts on this. Um, do we believe any of this would change if Biden gets one more term? That's all I'll say there. So with that being said, um, this podcast has been brought to you in part by LEI Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians. And of course, Pointcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at pointcast.news or you could find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook for more podcasts and articles like the ones we covered today. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you all at home for listening. We'll see you next time. Josh, out.